All right, this shear is Yuma Daf Ches. But we start the second uh, to last narrow line where it says Amar Baye on Zayin Amad Beis. Amar Baye, two lines up from where the lines get wide. This shear will be Le'ilu Nishmas, Rabbi Eliezer Chaim, Ben Shlomo Zalman Zatzal, my father-in-law, whose yard site is today as well as, of course, of Chaim Zev Malinowitz Zatzal, and, of course, Zalman Dov's father of Nassim Tzvi Zatzal. Okay, so, what were we talking about? And a fascinating question. This concept of whether the tzitz is meratze, that was yesterday's daf. The tzitz was this uh, diadem, right? This crown, in a sense. This thing with straps. How was it? Was it a string? Parsha Tzave Rashi has a lengthy... Uh, description of it with how it how it was this uh, this thing that was worn almost like a crown. It was worn underneath. When I say underneath, uh, where the tefillin would be, I mean lower on the head, not un- actually under it. That would be chatzitza. But the tefillin are supposed to go above the hairline, right? A lot of people uh, are not aware of this. It's supposed to go above the hairline, and the tits would go lower on the head, right? Almost like a Almost like a uh, headband, or so, uh, essentially not like a headband, essentially a headband with straps and whatnot. And an interesting discussion which went on up until now, leading up to this, was um, the tzitz had a function. Birnbaum and I were discussing what does it mean that tzitz is meratze, that it's mechaper, that it that it atones for your sins. How does this diadem, this crown, atone for your sins? So that's that's really like a more esoteric discussion. But the more lumdish discussion that was discussed yesterday was, does it need to be on the coin Gadol's head in, in, in order to atone for your sins? Or is it like this, um, right, this artifact that can atone just by its mere presence, even when it's not on the coin Gadol's head? There was a discussion just at the end of, uh, of yesterday. It says, what do you mean? How can you say that it's only Meratze if it's on the coin Gadol's head? Doesn't the coin Gadol have to go to the bathroom? Doesn't the, doesn't the coin Gadol have to right, sleep, and so in, if he goes to the bathroom, he has to take off his tits, and therefore, does that mean that during those moments it's not meratza? Fascinating discussion. So that was machlokis. Is the tits meratza only when it's worn or not? It, so it, to, is tits uh, like tzitz? No, it, it's interesting. The word tzitz sounds like tzitzit, but uh, no, it, it's, it's really referring to a crown. Why, why is it called a tits? It's a good question. I don't actually know uh, the answer to that. Um, why, why is that? I mean, the Torah uses that word. What is that? What is the shorish of tzitzis and tzitz? I don't know. Something to look into. It's a good question. Okay, so now, Amar Abaye. Benishbar hatzitz t'chulei amalo Right? In other words, the discussion was whether when it's, whether the tzitz has to be worn or not by the coin gadol in order to be effective. Um, Right, mind you, this is one of the big day coin gadol. This is not something that is not obviously one of the regular big day kahuna. Only the coin gadol wore this. So the question is, it, it, obviously, if uh, the discussion was whether it's worn or not, but if the tzitz itself is fractured, and as the Mefarshim point out, even in its straps, um, then certainly everybody would agree that that tzitz is defective and would not be miratze. Kibligi the tali The machlokas is when it's on the hook, right? When it's on the coat rack. Tale uh literally means that when the Kohen Gadol, it's hung on a peg and the Kohen Gadol is not wearing it. So Rabbi Yehuda there, Savar al-Metzach the Pasuk says, the Pasuk describes, 
Um, it says, it should be on Aaron's forehead, right? So the Pasuk says that when the tzitz is on Aaron's forehead, as we just discussed, so that's when he's going to carry the sins of Klal Yisrael. And it should always be on his forehead to bring them, right, favor. So there's two aspects of this Pasuk. One aspect of it says, the beginning of the pasuk implies that when that it, that it's going to be no said the avonos when it's on Aaron's forehead, and the other aspect of the of the pasuk says vayal mitzchot tamid that it's always on his metzach. It's not always on his metzach. That's what we're going to say now, as follows: Rabbi Yehuda Savar al metzach venasos. So Rabbi Yehuda holds that it sounds like it's only meratze when it's on the actual forehead. Rabbi Shimon Savar tamid laratzon lifnei Hashem. Rabbi Shimon is focusing on the part of the Pasuk that says it's always the Hashem. And his explanation is as follows. My Tomid, what does it mean it's always? It can't be. Ilema Tomid al Mitzcho. If you mean that it's always, always on its forehead. So Is that really so? So this is the part uh, I, I remembered it was Davzai and I didn't re- realize we didn't read it yet. Milo Milo See, now you see I wasn't making it up. Does the Kohen Gadol not have to go to the bathroom or go to sleep? Uh, which would. If, require him, that's in itself a halachic discussion, right? Which aspects of Kedusha do you have to take off before you go to the bathroom? Uh, Rabbi Shalom Razner Shlita talks about some of the things that certainly with Shemos have to be removed. Other things like a talus or a kittel, it's more of a minhag perhaps, but certainly that has become for a um, right normative halacha. Be that as it may, the tzitz certainly has a Shem Hashem, as we'll see. It's exposed Shem Hashem, it has to be taken off, and therefore it's Clearly not always physically on the Kohen Gadol's head. Rather, it just means that it always has the Ritzui. In other words, whether the Kohen Gadol is wearing it or not, the Tzitz itself always has that aspect, just by its uh, virtue of its existence, has the aspect of being Mechaper for Klal Yisrael. How come we don't take off Tzitz when we go to So right, that's a great point. In other words, Mi'ikar Adin, if you really have to take off your Tzitz, your Talis, let's say, to take to go to the bathroom, it wouldn't matter whether it was a talus gadol or a talus katan. The fact that we can go to the bathroom with our talus katan on shows you that bringing going with the bathroom with tzitzis on, which doesn't have shame Hashem, is actually meikar um, didn't permitted, right? But we have a minhag of removing a talus gadol. Great point, uh, Garanowitz. Exactly. And, and and to your point, tzitz is certainly more kadosh than tzitzis. But as we will see, it may not be more kadosh than tefillin. Perfect transition. Look at this. Rabbi Huda Nami. So first we have to see how would Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Meir going, Rabbi Shimon rather, going to um, contend with each other's psukim, right? In other words, Rabbi Huda says al metzach that it sounds like it's only on his when it's on its forehead. But even according to him, Haksiv Tamid, it does say Tamid. So how what does he do with the Tamid, which makes it sound like it's always Maratza? So it says the Gemara Hahu Tamid it just means that he should never take his mind off. He should never have hesach hadas. And therefore, so long as the coin is, has his attention on the, right, the, the tzitz, it, even if he's not physically wearing it, um, he should always keep it in mind. And therefore, that is what that pasuk is teaching you. Because Rabbi Huna says, the Amar Huna, with regards to tzfilin, chayav adam lamashmesh bechol shah person has to always be checking his tzfilin. Constantly touching it to make sure they're there to be aware of them. 
Kal v'chomer mitzitz. And we learn that as a kal v'chomer from tzitz. As we arrive at Chesam et Aleph, it says, Umatzitz, she'ein bo'elaz kara'achas. Right, the name of Hashem, when you read about how the tzitz was, uh, the tzitz was constructed, what it looked like, it had the words Kodesh Hashem engraved on it. Okay, well that is the Shem Hashem. But that's the only Shem Hashem that is actually engraved on that on that sit. So Amra Torah al mitzchos tamid. And according to Yehuda, right, there is a um, there's a requirement to always have it in mind, even though it only has the Shem Hashem once. Shelo He should always have it. And never should divert your attention from it. But Tefillin sheish maskar harbe. But Tefillin has the Shem Hashem many times in the parshios. Al achas kama v'kama. So all the more so, you should always make sure to keep your mind on the tefillin themselves, right? So this was a statement, right, that Rabbi Baravuna made, and that statement alludes to the definition of al mitzchotamid that Rabbi Yehuda can bar- can then borrow, right? Can then talk about. In other words, um, right, just like Rabbi Yehuda, right? We see over here the Rabbi Baravuna also used that pasuk in the way that we would say Rabbi Yehuda would explain the pasuk. Incidentally. Tosfos thinks, the first Tosfos Matzitz doesn't think this is a great Kavachomer. Necessarily, it's not a real Kavachomer because after all, Tosfos points out that the Tzitz has the Shem Hashem completely exposed, whereas the Parshios of the Tefillin are concealed. And therefore, maybe that would make the Tzitz more, uh, more Chashiv. And he says, then don't tell me that the Shem Hashem of the, of the Tefillin is also exposed by the Shin on the Shel Rosh and the Dalad and the Yud in the configuration of the Ritzuos, because that's not real Ksiva. That's just like um, symbolic. But the truth of the matter is that a lot of other Mepharshim say that that, doesn't, that that shouldn't define. People ask, well, why should it matter whether it is, in fact, um, Right, whether it's one Shem Hashem or multiple, maybe the fact that's one, why should it matter whether it's concealed or revealed? That's Tosfa's issue. Tosfa says that the Tzitz has the Shem Hashem revealed. So other Mephashim will say, well, why is that, why is that important that it revealed? In fact, Yitz Topper says, on the contrary, the fact that it's concealed in the Tefillin should be more the reason why you need to be more vigilantly aware of it, right? Always touching it because you don't actually see the Shem Hashem. The Tzitz, you're the Kohen Gadol, you have this golden thing with the Shem Hashem engraved for all the world to see. So that, how could you even lose your sight of, of its engraving? Whereas Tefillin, uh, in fact, we wear every day and even Pushit people wear Tefillin. And so that's the Goranowitz Musr moment that we should realize that the tefillin that we wear every day, we should never let it be, right, old hat, as it were, right? We should always realize that it, that it, according to the Gemara, is a kavachomer where there are even more chashiv than the very tzitz that the Kohen Gadol wears, okay? Yeah, so you, so, so you know, you see a bar mitzvah boy, how chaviv, how, uh, how precious those tefillin are to them on that first day. They are aware of, of this, uh, of it. May we be zachet to, to keep that kind of awareness, uh, um, throughout our lives at Me'ave Esrim um, as we wear our tefillin, which we hopefully will wear uh, soon, later on today. Okay. Now, so we explain how, what Rabbi Yehuda does with Tamid, right? Because we say Tamid means that you should always have it in mind. Okay, Rabbi Shimon's view that it's always Meratze uses the word Tamid. The question is, V'haksiv, Al Metzach Venasa, Al Metzach Venasa. The pasuk says that it, that it's only Ratzu that's on your head. So what does Rabbi Shimon do with that pasuk? So the Gemara answers, No, it's not saying that it always has to be on your head and that only when it's on your head 
It's not saying that, that it's only Meratzah when it's on your head. It's literally there just to explain to you the location of the tzitz on the head. It has to be on the forehead. So Gemara asks Rabbi Yehuda, So how does Rabbi Yehuda know where to put it on your head if that's what the if he uses that part of the pasuk for something else? So it says al mitzcho. So he says no from al mitzcho as opposed to mitzcho, right? Because that's what that's why the uh, girsa before was metzach. Metzach would teach you the location. Mitzcho would teach you that it has to be um, right. Uh, well, it says it twice, right? It says vayal metzach Aaron. And then it says, Vayal Mitzcho Tamid. That's the Gears of Things. So, Vayal Metzach Aaron. What is that for? Uh, what is that for? Uh, Mitzcho Tamid before was the Pasuk that Rabbi Shimon used to tell you that it's always Meratze. So, Al Metzach, that's why they changed the Gears. Al Metzach is, is what t- where Rabbi Shimon learns the location. But the Rabbi Huda learns Al Metzach that it's only Meratze when it's, on, when it's on his forehead. Therefore, the Al-Mitzcho is where he learns the location. Interesting. To which the Gemara says, Rav Shimon also has, uh, for, also can learn. If Rabbi Yehuda can learn the location of the film from Al-Mitzcho, Rabbi Shimon should be able to learn that as well. And therefore he wouldn't need it from Al-Mitzach. Says the Gemara, however, no, El Al-Mitzach Venasa, Enachinami, my Avile, it's true. He does learn it from Al Mitzcho. In other words, Rabbi Shimon does learn the location of the tefillin from Al Mitzcho, not Al Metzach. And Al Metzach he learns for something else. What did he learn it from? Amar Lach, he would tell you, Roi Lemetzach Meratze, She'eno Roi Lemetzach, Eino Meratze. That if it sits, is Roi Lemetzach. If it's fit for wearing, it is Meratze, but if it's not, it's not Meratze. Well, when is it not fit for wearing? Says the Gemara, La Fuke Nishbar Hatzitz de Lo Meratze. Just to show you, you have this. Pasuk is trying to teach you that if you have a fractured tzitz, then it's not going to be meratzah, even if it's worn. Okay, so Rabbi Yehuda and Nishbar tzitz minale asks the Gemara, so where would, where would Rabbi Yehuda learn that idea? So there, the Gemara says, nafkalei me metzach mitzcho. He can learn that from mitzcho, because mitzcho also has metzach in it, and therefore, as we so often do, we come down to distilling it to a detail over here, whether you can learn metzach, mitzcho, can you learn two things from it, or can you learn one thing from it, Rabbi Yehuda learns two things from it. He learns the location as well as the fact that it can't be fractured. Whereas Rabbi Shimon, Metzach Mitzcho Lo Mashmalei, says the Gemara, right? Rabbi Shimon is not going to learn two things from that one, uh, from that one word. And therefore he learns one to teach you that it can't be fractured and the other one to teach you the location. And that is where we distill down the Machlokas, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. So now as we're 14 lines down on Chesem at Aleph, uh, You mean, you mean, would we know, like in Machon HaMikdash, how to make the tzitz nowadays? Uh, I believe we have, uh, we have an idea of what, it would, of what it would look like. Sure. I mean, it's described. Uh, Machon HaMikdash certainly has uh, their version of it. Um, you know, it's not a secret recipe like the Ketoros, to the best of my knowledge. Um, but, uh, but, that's a, but that's a good question. Uh, hopefully it'll all be Allah Lamaisa very soon. So now, 14 lines down, we're going back to Hutra versus Dechuya. We got into this yesterday. What is Hutra and what is Dechuya? As follows. Uh, this is where we're going to take it to the next of the, the rest of the Amud. Bavli seems to flow faster. This is like lifting, you were talking about lifting weights earlier, Garano. It's just like we've been lifting in Shkolim 500 pound weights the whole time, and now we're doing 100 pound weights. It feels like a vacation. 
Okay, so, and, and it's nice to see Rashi and Tosfos again. It's nice. Anyways, the um, question of Hutcher and Dechuya is as follows. We have to be, right, we talked about Tuma Hutcher Betzibur. If you have some suffix of Tameh, so we're going to get back to this, but remember, the, the um, paradigm was the Miluim. And the two Kohanim that nowadays, after the Miluim, Miluim was a one-time event in the Midbar, and then, not nowadays, but in the days of Beis Mikdash, maybe they'd be restored soon, there was the Kohen God on Yom Kippur, right? And the Kohen that was involved in the Avodah of the Paraduma. Those two Kohanim, as we mentioned in the very beginning of the Gemara, in Masechus Yama, those are quarantined. Okay, now, they're quarantined uh, partially, as we discussed, because of the Tumah issue, right? They can't be Tumah. But we know famously there's a concept of Tumah Hutra Betzibor, that it's possible that if they're Tumah, it wouldn't matter. They could still do the Avoda. And so there's a Machlokes that we discussed, whether it's Hutra or Dechuya. For that, for that reason, by the Para Duma Kohen, we said that we sprinkle him. Mind you, we're going to see very soon that dunking in a mikvah and getting spritzed on by the Mechatas is the same Effect. Okay, that's an important uh, detail to be aware of. That it's basically both of them for the sake of purification. So when we have this purification, right, we're supposed to, it's, it's supposed to uh, get rid of our Tumah. Now, in the Psukim, the Tumah, the Psukim say that you're supposed to go to the mikvah or get spritzed on, right, the third and the seventh day. That's the procedure. Uh, when you're trying, when, right, when you're, when you're uh, being purified from Tumah. Problem is, we have a suffix. We don't know when this coin became Tameh. In other words, we're going to do a seven-day quarantine and we're going to spritz him, but we don't know exactly when he became Tameh or if he even did become Tameh. It's a suffix. So now we're going to say, if Tumah is Hutra, if it's totally okay, and we're just doing this as a ceremony, so then you could spritz it, um, only on the third and seventh day, it's almost like a symbolic spritzing because that's how we do it when we think that someone is tummy. However, if tuma is dechuya b'tzibur, dechuya means that it would be like, for example, if a, if a doctor, when we ask a doctor, what pikuach nefesh is doche shabbos, is that hutra or dechuya? So if it's hutra, it means that whatever the doctor needs to do, which is what we paskin, right? Whatever the doctor needs to do, or whatever, whoever is saving somebody needs to do. You have a woman who's in labor. So you, whatever's gonna make her happy, right? You could take the scenic route to the hospital, you could drive there, you could drive back. These are all the sugyas of Hutra, right, whatever script you need to write for her on Shabbos, you need to do it for Bikuach Nefesh, you do it. You don't think twice about it. Whereas if it's Dechuya, you do have to think twice about it. It means that really we have to make sure that maybe a guy should drive her. Maybe the guy should write her. Maybe you should write the script Klach Aryad, right, with a Shinui. So similarly here with Tuma. If it's in fact Dechuya, that means that we try to avoid Tuma as much as possible. This plays into the machlokas we're going to have now. Because if you hold that you have to avoid Tumah as much as possible, then you'd have to sprinkle every one of the seven days. Because after all, we don't really know when the Tumah took place. And if this is a real sprinkling that's really being done to be metaher, then it needs to be out of suffix every single day. As opposed to if me'ikar adin, it's, it's hutra anyway, and you don't really need the sprinkling, so then the sprinkling is more symbolic, then we wouldn't need to spritz the coin with the mechatas every single day. So now we could read it inside. It says the Gemara, Nema hani tanai hani tanai. Let's say that the machlokas tanayim that we said before about, uh, uh, right, is, is reflected about hutra versus the chuya is reflected in the following 
machlokas tonight as follows. The Tanya, we learned in the Brisa, Echadzeh ve'echadzeh, mazin alav kol shiva. Right? We said before that both the Kohen Gadol of the Paraduma and, I'm sorry, both the Kohen of the Paraduma and the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur we ha- get spritzed all seven days. Mikol chatal shayusham, right? From the mechatas that are purified. Divir Rabbi Meir. That was the sheet of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yossi Omer. However, Rabbi Yossi says, Ein mazin alav ela shlishi vishvi bilvad. You see, Rabbi Yossi says, you only spritz him on the third and the seventh day. And now a middle shita, Rabbi Chanina Skana Kohanim, of, as Shalom Rosner calls it, of the second half of the first parak of Psachim fame, right? We Remember, we learned all the Tumat Sugyas with common. Uh, Shlita, at uh, last ten blot of the first parak of Pesachim. Rav Chanina Skana Kohanim, Oimer, Kohina, sorry for Sapara, Mazin, Olav, Kol Shiva. He splits it. A hybrid Shita. But the Kohen, sorry for the para, he gets all seven days sprinkled. Whereas Kohen Gadol, Yom Kippurim, Ein, Mazin, Olav, Elish, Lishi, Vishvi. But the Kohen Gadol, Yom Kippurim, he has the first, uh, he has the third and the seventh, like Rabbi Yossi. Okay, so he holds like Rabbi Meir with regards to the Kohen para, and like Rabbi Yossi with regards to the Kohen Gadol. So what's going on? So says the Gemara, my love the Maybe this is what they're arguing about, about Hotra versus Dechuya, as we said outside before. The Rabbi Meir Savar Tumar Dechuya Ibitzibur. Rabbi Meir holds that really it's Dechuya and therefore you have to be extra careful and you have to spritz every single day. Whereas Rabbi Yossi Savar Tumar Heter Ibitzibur. Yossi says that the Tumar is totally mutter and therefore this is sprinkling is perhaps a little bit more ceremonial. We'll see if it's really ceremonial or maker adin. And if it is more ceremonial, then certainly you're only going to have to do it on the third and the seventh day. And maybe that's the Nekudos of Machlokas. So the Gemara asks, Vitispera, do you really think that that's the Machlokas? If you're going to say that the reason why Rabbi says you can only sprinkle on the third and seventh day is because it's mutter and you don't really have to do it all together. So says the Gemara, Why do I need any sprinkling whatsoever? It's a good question, right? In other words, are you doing it just out of a ceremony? So that's what I would have said. I would say you're doing it, uh, it's like a religious ceremony, but that's because I'm an Amaris. In other words, the Meikar didn't, you wouldn't have to do it at all. So why are you doing it? Says the Gemara, All the Tanaim uh, agree that it's Dechuya, and that that's not the Machlokas. That really, you need to have some sort of purification here. So therefore, what's the Machlokas? Says the Gemara, the Machlokas is, Rabbi Meir Savar Amin and Tevila Bizmana Mitzvah, Rabbi Yossi Savar Lo Amin and Tevila Bizmana Mitzvah. In other words, both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi hold that there has to be some sort of Tevila, some sort of purification here. By the way, here is where you see, it's using the Lashon Tevila, right, with reference to the sprinkling. It just shows you the Tevila and the sprinkling have the same effect. It's the same thing. It's the Taher. Okay. Well, what's this Machlokas Tevila Bizmana Mitzvah? It's a simple it's, it's a simple machlokas as follows, right? We know that the purification process, once you get tame, is seven days. And we know that the Torah tells you that you have to dunk or spritz on the third and the seventh day. But the question is, is that me'akev? In other words, does it really have to be on those days? Or, you know, at some point in the seventh day, make sure that you get, that you, that you get metayer. That's the, that's the question. Or another way of saying it, is it me'akev? In other words, if you, if you, whatever, if for whatever reason you dunked on the second and the fifth day, does it, is it, does it have any effect at all? So the mayor is going to say that the Tevila Bismana Mitzvah, which would mean that if you dunk on the wrong days, it has no effect. And for that reason, you have to dunk every day because you don't know which day the coin became Tomei. Whereas Rabbi Yossi Savar Lormin at Tevila Bismana Mitzvah, he holds that it doesn't matter which day you dunk, we, third and seventh day is just a suggestion, but really any day that you, that you got spritzed, you're going to be tar, and therefore we only have to spritz you on the third and the seventh day, because that covers any possibility and eventuality.
That's the machlokas. But I, both of them want you to be tahor. To which the Gemara says, Is it possible that Yossi thinks that the days that you dunk are not me'akev, that you could just dunk on any day? We have a brightsah. An unbelievable conundrum. An individual has the Shem Hashem written on his skin. So you have the Shem Hashem written on, his, on your skin. So, I see these guys in the gym. Yeah. They put the, I'm telling you, they put the words of the, is that the real thing? I saw that guy. I saw, oh, you know where I was? I was at, um, yeah, I, I, I was at like the radiology center getting, some, getting an x-ray and I see the, the woman receptionist has the Shem Hashem tattooed on her arm. <laughs> out of pride for the Jewish people. So I'm like thinking, oh my goodness, what are you going to do with this? So, so I took a picture of it and everything. And the point is that... Can they go to the bathroom? Oh, so what are you going to do? That's exactly the point. First of all, you can't erase it. It's a conundrum. Removing it is a mechika of Shem Hashem. It's erasing Shem Hashem. She can't get it off now. And similarly, as Goranowitz says, you can't go to the bathroom with the Shem Hashem on your arm, so you can't go to the mikvah and you can't knock it off. What are you going to do? You're in a true, you're in a pickle. Says the Gemara, let's say for whatever reason, you, sh- you have to go to the mikvah now, right? You have to become Tahari because you became Tameh, says Rashi. So, so what you have to do is cover it. And the Mepharshim explained, you're covering it with something that's so tight that's not considered a chatzitza. That in itself, right, is a chiddush with regards to hilchas chatzitza. But you know, like you put a sleeve on your elbow, like like Carmelo Anthony or something. You know, like uh, like these basketball players have the sleeves, right, like a sports sleeve, and to cover it so that it doesn't become uh, defiled when you're in the bathroom. But at the same time, so that you don't erase it. Isn't that amazing? So that, yeah, so that's the Tanakama. says that you have to cover it. However, Yossi says an interesting thing. You're not erasing it befoal, but you could, it's like a grama, as Birnbaum explained. You are allowed to just go tovel kedarko, and it'll get erased over time on its own. That's all right. Uh, provided that you don't actually try to rub it off. And imagining, and if you can imagine, this was supposedly something we learned already in Shabbos Kavches, that the machlokas was with regards to Tevila Mitzvah Bizmana. How so? Because, I'll say it outside first, because the Tanakama, well, I'll say it inside over here, this one part. The Tanakama Savar Lomrin Tevila Bizmana Mitzvah. In other words, the fact that we allow you to, the fact that we say as a, as a suggestion to go get a sleeve and put it on means, must mean that we're not makbin on Tevila Bizmana. Why? Because it's not so easy to find a sleeve like this, right? The sleeve that they describe is made out of a reed of grass. It could take some doing. Maybe you can't find such a reed that's perfect for this. So the point is, it's a question of priorities. The fact that we're prioritizing covering this thing means that we're putting whoever's putting these, this covering on in the position where they're, they're making sure that they're not tovel until they have this thing, this sleeve. Now, that could be at the risk of not being tovel bisman at all. So that's what our Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying that the Tanakama, who's, um, who's insisting that you wear the sleeve, is in fact perhaps insisting so because they don't 
uh, care, or I should say they don't care, but they're, it's more important priority-wise for the sleeve to be on than for the tefillah to be bismana, because they know that you're going to have to go search for this thing, even at risk of possibly not getting a tefillah bismana, but it's still more important to go get the sleeve. That is an amazing uh, inference here, that the fact that they're making you get the sleeve is, is because of the fact that they hold that it's not me'akev to actually be tovel on time. Whereas Verbiosi Savar Amina Tvila Bismana Mitzvah. In other words, Verbiosi is allowing you, he says, just dunk, just go, go on dime. Because the most important thing is that you have the Tvila Bismana and whatever. So you have this conundrum with regards to the Shema Shem on your arm, but you'll deal with that later. The most important thing is to get the, the Tvila Bismana. Amazing inference from that Machlokas. Okay. So the Gemara says that, that can't really, uh, okay, so that's one possibility. It says the Gemara, it's possible to explain it like this, that everybody holds up the tefillah b'zman of mitzvah, but maybe the machlokas would be like this, So this very thing that we said before, that hazah is considered the same as dunking, maybe that was actually not true. In other words, maybe there is in fact a distinction. Even though both of them are to be metaher, it could be that this idea of, of, of having to do it bismana is only with regards to tvila, But hazah, which in, is certainly different in some ways, right? Sprinkling is different than dunking. It, so if sprinkling can be different than dunking, so maybe just like it doesn't require actual tvila in the mikvah, maybe it also does not require the tame, same time constraints that, that mikvah does. So that when the Pasuk says that, you know, the sprinkling, the hazah, also should take place on the third and the seventh day, maybe it means the following. This is what... Um, the Rashi is explaining. Not that we don't care at all when the sprinkling is done, but maybe it just means that the first sprinkling can't be done earlier than the third day and that there have to be four days between the two sprinklings, but not necessarily that it has to be dafka be on the third and the seventh day. So the Rashi really modifies this to, to mean that the Gemara does not mean that you, we don't care at all when you do the spritzing, but it just means that we want to make sure that we have there's a three-day period before you do the first one, and then a four-day wait between the first and the second one. However, it doesn't matter exactly um, that you do it specifically on the third and seventh day. So now, now that you're saying that that's the machlokas, the Gemara is going to turn to briefly to Rav Chanina Skana Kohanim. How can you have this hybrid shita? Says five lines up from the bottom. Rav Chanina Skana Kohanim. Remember, he said what that we hold like the the. Uh, with regards to the coin of the paraduma that he has to sprinkle every day, and the coin gadol is the one that only does the third and seventh day. So, the, so if this is the machlokas, whether you're makish hazol letvila, so that's a fundamental machlokas. It should be across the board, as the Gemara says. If it is like tvila, so then even the coin gadol yom kippur should dunk every day, or it should be spritzed every single day. And you lo makish hazal tvila, and if you don't, so I feel the coin asar for the para namilo. So even the coin asar for the para shouldn't have to be spritzed every day, only on the third and seventh. So the gemara has to answer lo olam lo makish has to be if chanina skana kohanim holds, he must hold like there's no hekesh, and therefore really you could be spritzed. Any day, rather, but the only reason why, and we've seen this already, the only reason why the coin as a para has to be sprinkled every day, in contrast to the coin of Godel, 
is because we try to be extra machmir by the coin sarf as a para. If you remember, the reason why we're extra machmir on all other aspects of Tumah with the coin sarf as a para is because we're making on one massive thing, which is that we are metamehim on purpose towards the end in order to show up the tzdukim to show them that in fact the tvul yom can do the avoda. So when we show them that tvul yom can do the avoda, sreif as a para, so that in fact is a massive kula uh, and so in every other respect, we're trying to be extra machmir. So that is why we sprinkle him every day. But Meikar Adin, he doesn't really need to be sprinkled every day, as is reflected by what our practice is with the Kohen Gadol. Very good. Okay. So now we have a related brisa towards the bottom. Uh, second line from the bottom here in Chesam and Aleph. Keman Azla Hadatan Rabbanon. Whose opinion uh, are we following? Ain bein Kohen Asarif Asapar la Kohen Gadol biyom Kippurim. Ella... So we have a brisa. The brisa says that the only distinction between the coin surface of par and the coin gadol and yom kippurim is suspense. Turn to Chesav Bez. What? Shazer prishasol likdusha ve'echav akoanim nogimbo. Shazer prishasol letara ve'echav akoanim nogimbo. What's going on here? Rashi, beautiful idea. In other words, the coin gadol. Why is he quarantined? So there's two reasons why you could be quarantined. One would be so you don't get contaminated, right? Another, right, like in other words, nothing touches you. Another reason to be quarantined, that would be called prishasa tahara. okay? Another reason to be quarantined is so you can be isolated in your thoughts to have thoughts of Kedusha and to get into the proper mindset. So getting into the proper mindset is re- involves more than just quarantine. It involves thinking, COVID Roche, being in the zone, as it were, right? Whereas, right, if all you're trying to do is avoid uh, getting COVID or whatever, so then you could be with Khalila Netflix, or in other words, it doesn't matter, right, what you're doing. That's the, according to Birnbaum here. It doesn't matter as much what you're doing as long as you're avoiding contamination, right? Let's see it in Rashi. It's Kedai. Shazer Prishasa Likdusha. Hi, Rashi. Welcome back uh, to Tom Bavli over here. Likanes Lemachane Shechina. So the Kedusha is the Kohen Gadol, right? In other words, he's going to go into the Machana Shechina, right? right? We are sequestering him from frivolity. Right? This, this isolation from other people is going to make him less social, but at the same time, it's going to help focus his mind on the task at hand, which is a very lofty religious task. And so that is the purpose of his quarantine. As opposed to seeing the next Rashi, Vezesh Prishasalatara, the part, the Kohen God of the Par, Lahachmi Batarasim Pne Kal Shaosim Bolatamo. Again, because of the thing that we said before, where we're Metamim on purpose, Bobiom Latvilo, Yotzi Milibon Shaltzdukim, right? Because we're doing that to show up that Tzdukim that we don't uh, have an issue with the Tzvul Yom doing the Avoda, Lakachichmir Betarasa Shalayadam Nogeabo. That's why we're saying nobody should touch this guy. Okay. So those are the only things. And, and by the way, so the first guy who's getting in the zone, so he can get visitation, right? Like his buddies can visit him, etc. But the second guy, like nobody touch this guy, right? That's the main thing is that nobody contaminates him. Oh. The first guy is the Kohen Gadol preparing in, uh, as our very first mission in the Masechah, preparing to do the Avodah Yom Kippur so that during that seven-day quarantine, he can have visitors, but uh, he's really just trying to get in the zone, right, for Kedusha. Um, the Par guy is, Sreis uh, Fasa Par guy is just trying to remain Tar. Was he the deputy? This guy, no. This is, this is going to be the actual, in, in the case of the Yom Kippur, it's the actual Kohen Gadol, 
In the case of the par, it's not the coin gadol. It's a good question of who's the one that's doing that. But be that as it may, the Gemara says, come on, or a mayor or a biosi. Right? So just to point out, says the Gemara, neither of these, who's this brysa? So the brysa, again, is saying that the only difference is whether it's for Kedusha or for Tahara. So that could either be Rameyer or Biosi, because they are consistent with, with regards to what they hold in terms of the numbers of Azah. But the Ira Kohanim, the only one who can't hold of this price is Rechanin Askana Kohanim, because don't forget, he holds that there's a distinction even with regards to the number of sprinkling between the Karn surface of Para and the Karn Gadol, and therefore the Brysa could not be like him, because if it were like Rechanin Askana Kohanim, says the Gemara Ha Ikanami Ha, then we would also have that distinction, and yet that distinction is not listed in the brisa, and therefore the brisa that we just quoted, this interesting brisa of the reasoning for the quarantine, can only be either according to Rabbi Yossi or according to Rabbi Meir. Beautiful. Now, now the Gemara asks, why would anyone hold that the haza is all seven days? In other words, even if you hold that you need haza every day out of suffake, there's no way that you would need every single day as we see inside. Watch this. I can understand why you need to have, again, if you're doing this sprinkling uh, as a consequence of a suffix as to whether you're talking about every day. So the first day could be the third day. And the second day also could be the third day of his Tumah. And the third day also could be the third day of your Tumah. Right? Because, again, when, when is this... When is this sequence state? Uh, he needs both, right? He needs both the third and the seventh day. So the question is, when was he contaminated, right? So we know he wasn't contaminated, Tumas Mace, during his, right, during his quarantine, right? And his quarantine begins right on the first day. So that quarant- so, so how are you going to have a third and a seventh day? So if you're going to have, uh, right, so if you're going to have, right, Rishon, or Shani or Shlishi. So all of those could be the third day of his Tumah. And Chamishi Shemashvi. And similarly, the fifth day might be the seventh day since he was Tommy. And Shishi Shemashvi. And the sixth day might be the seventh day. And Shvi Shemashvi. And the seventh day also, maybe he was contaminated on the first day, which itself is a, is a question, but it could happen. And If you do the math, there's never a situation where you need a sprinkling at all on the fourth day where you have the fourth, the, right, where you have the, uh, you need both and there's, there's never a situation where you need the fourth day where one is the first and then, and then, right, the third is the first uh, and the seventh is four days later. Uh-huh. So the point is, fourth day, you should never need to have a hazah. Uh-huh. So, why? Because lo there's no possibility that it's the third day, right, because that already passed. The lo Remember, he could have, right, it's, it can't possibly be the third day because, because the latest he could have gotten Tommy is right before he was quarantined. And therefore, by definition, three days have already passed. But it can't be the seventh day either because the earliest he could have uh, quarantined, the seventh day, right, either already passed or was not yet. So the fourth day can never actually occur. So the Gemara asks, uh, can never actually be either the third or the seventh day. That's the point. Uh, right. So the Gemara now says, Will Tameh Hazal Kol Shiva Mi'ika? He says, Well, there's another reason why you can never have Hazal Kol Shiva. Why? The Hakaim Alan, the Hazal Shvus, Venodok has a Shabbos. Right? A, a sprinkling is considered a Shvus. And if it's a Shvus, 
So then it's not Tochah Shabbos. And so by definition, you're never going to be doing the sprinkling on Shabbos anyway. So you're always going to miss that day anyway. Says the Gemara, When it says that you're sprinkling all seven days, it means you're sprinkling all seven days, but not on Shabbos. So, so, so to here, when it says that you're sprinkling all the days, just like you skip Shabbos, but you still call it seven days of sprinkling, so too you skip the fourth day because it's not necessary, because it's, we know for sure mathematically it can't be either the third or the seventh day. And therefore, you're skipping Shabbos and you're skipping the fourth day of spritzing, but it's still called seven days worth of hazah. Like so, what? Like Nida. Right, right. So, right, this, this is something that uh, sounds like the counting of Nida because, after all, you, you count days. It's an interesting point that you bring up. Um, Shalom Rosner Shlita was pointing out that we're always counting on the wrong day, so to speak, because we always we wait an extra long amount of time. We're very, very machmir with Thomas Nida with regards to Tvila. And so he talked about Tvila Bismana does have some uh, applications here as well. But staying in the Gemara over here, the Gemara concludes, Amarava, So it's an interesting idea. We just pointed out, there's two scenarios where you don't do Hazah. Wednesday, uh, not Wednesday, the fourth day rather, and of the quarantine, and Shabbos. So what we're going to say, we say it outside first, is that we try, when we can control it, to have the fourth day fall out on Shabbos. This way we can have as many sprinklings as possible, so we try to have the fourth day come out on Shabbos. Of course, from Kippur, it's not in our control. The calendar is what it is. But when you're talking about uh, the para Duma, you can, you can set a calendar date. You can make an appointment as to when you're going to do that and have it coincide. Let's see that inside. I'm a Rava. Therefore, Kohen Gadol B'Yom HaKippurim, the Lobadi Don Talim Misa, Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur, that's not in our hands what the calendar is. Elo B'Kvir Diyarcha Talim Misa. Kvir Diyarcha, right, literally means the fixing of the month, but it just means the calendar, right? It's, the calendar is not in our hands. So, So then, right, don't forget, if you're doing a seven-day quarantine prior to Yom Kippur, when is the quarantine? Tzom Gedalia, right? Right after Shul on Motzei Rosh Hashanah, they're going to say, okay, bye-bye now, see you on the other side. Right? And whenever the third of Tishrei, Tzom Gedalia, falls out, that's when we're going to start the quarantine. Right, where we can make an appointment uh, depending on when's appropriate for us, so So sure enough, now you know why a coin is sorry for Sapara, if it's uh, right, good, so to speak, trivia, you could say, when do we, where are we, when are we mafresh to coin sorry for Sapara? So always on Wednesday. Why? Because if you're quarantined on Wednesday, falls out that Shabbos is the fourth day, and that day, which technically would not ever require a sprinkling, falls out on a day that is a shvus where you wouldn't want to be sprinkling anyway. Um, so, so somebody asked Shalom Rosner, we know the shvus is mutter mikdash, we learned that. Um, the answer is that's only when you're affecting it in the time b'shas uh, maisa. But here, this is a preparation for later, and so maybe that kind of shvus would not be mutter in the mikdash, he answered. Very nice. Now, we have a few minutes. So two dots, 11 lines up. Lelishkas Pahedrin. Why was this called, this office, Lelishkas Pahedrin? Asks the Gemara, Tanya, Rabbi Yehuda, Vachilishkas Pahedrin, Haita? That chamber wasn't called the Lishkas Pahedrin. Valo Lishkas Balvati Haita. That was called the Balabatim, the aristocratic Lishka. Ella, Betchila, Yukon, Lishkas Balvati. First it had this more 
an uh, amazing name of the Lishkas of the Balabatim. It had a more regal name. And we talk Shinosin of Mamun Kahuna, but later when the entire Kahuna became corrupt and and everything and, and Kohanim and Gedolim were actual Rashaim who died every single year. Right? And so every time you had somebody in there that wasn't fit for the office, um, you would just replace them and say, that, that guy was terrible, let's replace him with the next guy. And each new guy had the temerity to think that he'd be better. And so he did a whole bunch of remodeling, and he did a whole bunch of interior decorating, only to die again. So they had this derogatory name. It used to have this name of the, the chamber of the noblemen. Now it had the derogatory name of the chamber of the appointees, which is a way of saying like people who are replaced every 12 months, just like the king uh, changes up his, his appointees every 12 months. So too in the base of Mikdash, they change up every 12 months. And that's why it was called Lishkas Parhedrin. It was actually a derogatory name uh, for that Lishka because of the fact that they had the uh, audacity to think that they were that they were better than the people before them, uh, even though there was corruption. Somebody asked Shalom Razan Shlita. He said, "I found this amusing. I've been listening to this year." And they say, "Can it be that the reason why they wanted it, even though people died every year, is because of the holiness, right? The opportunity to serve Hashem, to be the Kohen Gadol?" And Shalom Razan just said, "No, no, that's that's not the reason." <laughs> <laughs> they were self-serving. Okay, he has other riots for it, obviously. There's a big history there. It's a big, but it's a big muster. It's self-awareness and, um, and, and certainly uh, maybe Bizocha that, that uh, the base of Mikdash is, is rebuilt, Bezat Hashem Bekarov, and will have uh, no corruption and only Avodah Hashem in its purest form. We'll continue tomorrow with, with uh, third line from the bottom on Chesam and Bez. Did they get paid, you asked?